Welcome back to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue, an offshoot of Spam 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 Humbug, in which we look at one of the eight virtues of Ultima Lore, in this case, the virtue of justice. We've been looking at that for the last few weeks, and, you know, we'll continue to do so now that it's the week of Christmas. And uh, we'll attempt to connect it to real-world philosophical and theological teachings. When I, when I first set upon the idea of discussing the virtue of justice during Advent and then over the Christmas season, um, a few people expressed doubts about how I would be able to really tie the virtue in with Christmas proper. At least on the surface of it, the connection doesn't seem obvious. I mean, I guess we catch the occasional glimpse of the concept in the lyrics of some Christmas carols. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. But for the most part, the idea of justice is that the it isn't the first or even third thing to spring to mind when one stops to contemplate the mysteries of Christmas. But in fact, there is actually a rather profound connection between Christmas and justice, the real world virtue at least. However, while it doesn't take a lot to explain, actually I found it to be a rather easy connection to make. This episode took a quarter of the time to research and draft as did any of the others. It's a very theological explanation. Simply scratching the surface of the relevant philosophy isn't sufficient to our purposes. So, if Catholic exegesis isn't your thing, well, I'll see you next week. Science fiction author John C. Wright put together a collection of short science fiction and fantasy stories that centered on the theme of Christmas. No, really. The uh, the Book of Feasts and Seasons, I'll include a link in the show notes, has a number of truly excellent stories in it I highly recommend. In one story, Nativity, a grieving widower goes back in time to just after the night of Jesus' birth, and after avoiding an assassination attempt by agents of a trans-temporal agency that acts quickly to reverse disruptions in the flow of time, yeah, really, uh, he ends up walking into the stable, really a cave in a hillside, in which the Holy Family is, for the moment, residing. And there's this one paragraph in which the meeting with Mary is described. Quote, I wish I could tell you how pretty she was. Her eyes were as calm as a sea which had never known a storm, never felt the slightest wind, but were clear and blue deep into infinite deeps. It was like looking at the crystal bar of the time machine, as if they opened into another dimension. It was like, how can I put this? As if I were Tarzan and had been raised by apes and was seeing a real human being, a normal human being, a woman who looked just like the way women were designed to look from the beginning, seeing one for the first time. That idea that to a wholly average human being, apart from maybe the time travel bit, Mary seems somehow more genuinely human, as a normal human might seem to one raised by apes, it's not a new concept that Mr. Wright invented for the purpose of telling a story. It's actually very mainstream Christian theology, however oddly put. This, uh, this understanding that we become more fully human by entering into the life of total self-giving love that flows from the redemptive gift offered to each of us by Jesus. I'll have to leave aside the discussion of Mary's status as being preserved from sin in order to keep this episode brief, although that too is part of this understanding. Like as not being sinless, Mary would have probably seemed somehow different as compared to other women or men of her day. And that's actually where justice comes in. Here's another theological concept, original justice. Broadly defined, 
It's the state that humanity occupied before sin entered into the world. It was the sim quote, rather, it was the simultaneous possession of sanctifying grace with its right to enter heaven and the preternatural gifts. Had humanity not sinned, original justice would have been transmitted to all of its descendants, end quote. Sanctifying grace in this consideration is the ultimate due of humanity, one which, theologically speaking, humanity deprived itself of. In this way, then, the whole of human existence can be thought of as being somehow operating under a profound injustice through mankind's incapacity to restore itself to a state of being originally just, of being sanctified. Christmas, then, represents the beginning of the way in which our due is restored to us. Quote, Jesus Christ, the new head of the human race, by his passion and death, expiated human sin and regained what humanity had lost. Sanctifying grace is restored at justification. Though the preternatural gifts are returned only as capacities, such as the ability to overcome concupiscence, or only eventually, such as bodily immortality after final resurrection. The Christmas story can thus be thought of as representing really the first in a number of acts of special justice, which have, as their ultimate end, the goal of seeing humanity given back what is its due, not in any temporal sense, but in eternity. The story of Jesus, his life, his birth, his death, is a story of justice, and then one in which things that seem profoundly unjust, from the impoverished circumstances of Jesus' birth to the vicious nature of his death, are actually made into the means by which justice is effected and humanity's due restored. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode, uh, another episode <laughs> of bite-sized virtue, uh, and I hope you know you've enjoyed it. It was a fairly brief one. Um, I hope you found this episode enlightening and that you'll continue to journey with me uh, through the Advent and now the Christmas season on our way toward the Feast of the Epiphany. That's right, I've decided to extend this a couple of weeks as we continue to look at the virtue of justice. <laughs>